0: The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Trinidad
1: and Tobago. Now we're going to go over to an interview with Fire Prevention Officers Jude Rogers and Fire Prevention Department of Trinidad and Tobago Fire Service. This is the Fire Prevention Week, and we're going to hear some more information on that. So I'd like to welcome Jude Rod- FSO Jude Rogers and Acting Fire Safety Officer Hunt. Good afternoon to you.
0: Hi, hey person. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing this afternoon?
1: Fine to fair. So how are you? Right.
0: I am excellent. It's a pleasure to be here um, online with you guys um, to share a little more information about Fire Prevention Week mm-hmm. and what the fire service is doing and also what you can do to protect yourself and your family, your loved ones, and your property against fires, especially fires that happen because of cooking in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, as uh, the topic is like stove and barbecue safety. So if we decide we're going to do a cook-up outside in our backyard, what are some of the preventative measures that we can put in place?
0: Okay, so first of all, um, if you're going to cook outdoors... You definitely want to make sure that you put things in place to protect yourself and your surroundings from inadvertently starting a bushfire. Mm -hmm. As you know, we have a hot spell that's going on in Trinidad and Tobago, not just Trinidad and Tobago, but around the world. There are different places in the world where the temperatures are way above what we consider to be normal. So you definitely want to prepare your area in such a way that you have good housekeeping and that everything is in the right place, and it ha- and you have all Recording of the necessary in things that you need. So what you want to ensure is that, again, whatever you're doing, if you're cooking outdoors, you're in a, in a space that is, has a flat surface so that your pot, whatever you're setting up, your barbecue pit, is settled in a flat area and in an area that is basically not over trees, no trees overhanging, so you don't have any shrubbery that can get caught up and, bur- and burning can start and then you can have a fire starting and getting out of control. Also, you would want to ensure that you have your extinguisher nearby. You may want to have running water nearby um, and also bearing in mind that you don't want to apply water to an oil-based fire or if you won't want to apply that to an area that has a lot of oil. Because as you know, if you apply water to oil or or grease or fat, you're going to have a, 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 a sort of an explosion of that taking place, causing a conflagration of fire, which can cause you harm and danger in a major way. So there are many, many things that you can do. And as we uncover some of them, we'll talk about the do's and don'ts as we go along. Mm-hmm.
1: I, actually, I wanted to just give a brief... Uh, history on your experience I should have done this first but uh you are uh, along with Davey Murray give us a lot of tips on safety um safety Mondays on the overdrive with Davey and you've had let's say 12 years experience in fire prevention yes. so all of the information that you'll be getting here today Trinidad and Tobago is true tested and guaranteed uh as you said, the hot spells that we are currently um, experiencing right now. Is it possible, let's say, when we're barbecuing outside, um, yes, we've taken all precautions to let make sure that embers and so on don't catch. Is it true that if we have uh, brush around, that it can catch fire because of the heat?
0: Right. Depending on how close you are to the vegetation around your property, you can, again... You can have fire being, um, like I explained, you know, if you have trees and shrubberies are wrong, you really want to get make sure that those are trimmed and you're not in an area that can come into contact with that. You really don't want to allow any of that heated material, especially if it's cold from barbecue. Mm-hmm. You're not going to discard that, in, let's say, in a grassy area, somewhere near to let's say, your compost heat or something like that. Because that, in, this, in essence, will eventually catch back up mm-hmm. and is going to cause a fire to start. But more importantly, too, while we're doing all of that, you know, persons who are approach, approaching a barbecue grill, you know, you don't want to have loose clothing. You want to have clothing that is that is um, close to your body. You want to have on an apron. You want to have on, you know, certain precautionary measures that will ensure that, you know, your clothes are not going to get caught up. Even things like the mittens and the gloves that you may be using,
1: and you want to ensure wheels. that
0: those things are not, yeah, that they're not too close to mm-hmm. your grill. They're not too close to your outdoor barbecue pit. Some barbecue pits use um, (laughs) propane gas, as you know. And so you still have the challenge of ensuring that your hose clips, your regulator, the gas tank, and all of those things are actually functional. So Mm -hmm. I want to tell persons, if you're doing outdoor cooking, test your equipment before. Go check out your equipment. Do a little spot check, a little inspection of your equipment. Make sure that the hose is not dry, rotted, and leaking. Make sure you're not smelling gas. Because if you're smelling gas, it means that, there is a leak somewhere in the system and all you need to do is to scratch that match, and you could have an explosion and we've seen the explosion of stoves and grills before Mm -hmm. um i tell you this from experience one of the one of the times when you need to actually check your your stove is when you purchase a stove when you purchase a brand new stove that stove has to be Um, pre-checked by the manufacturer or pre-checked by the dealer that is selling you that stove or that that, um, that grill. Mm -hmm. Because it is at that point in time, after that has been transported, you can have lines that may have been ruptured. You can have pinhole exposures where gasoline, or not gasoline, but the gas, that is the propane gas can be exposed. And that is a critical time. We've actually had an experience, in my experience, I've had Two fire investigations where a brand new stove near to brand new um mm-hmm. would have exploded on the users and and then the both both incidents the owners of those stove thankfully were not harmed, but it could have been worse because what was on the stove the literally stove ruptured because the gas lines underneath running in the internal looking of the stove was defective so i'm asking persons if you're purchasing a new piece of equipment Make sure that you're not too excited about just getting it, but that you ask the manufacturer or the dealer to test that piece of equipment to demonstrate to you that it is actually functional before you take possession of it.
1: I have a question for you. If, uh, once the equipment has arrived home by me, are there like homemade tests that we can do on the tubing connecting the gas tank to the appliance for, let's say, the pinholes that you're talking about and gas? escaping? Yeah.
0: Definitely. So, in the case of uh, of a gas line, what I ask persons to do, apart from the the water based test, the water with a little soapy water that you're going to apply the soapy water, what it does when you apply that to the top of the gas head, or to the even to the gas tank itself, you're gonna see it bubbling up. You know, just like when you're um, like if you had bubbles and, and you know you know the bubbles. So if you put that soapy on the top of the the head. Of, the gas you can see if the valve stem is actually leaking and that's one of the measures but then what about your hose lines you may apply that soapy bubbly water to it and you may not necessarily pick up um, a, a leak so mm-hmm. what i ask persons to do is to take a look at the gas lines make a take a look at the hose clips and flex the line a little bit and when you flex the line normally if the line is in good working order you're not going to see any form of cracking or any form of breakage along the line That is the the rubber hose line that holds holds the gasoline from the tank, Mm -hmm. the regulator of the tank, to the back of the stove to supply the internal parts of the stove with with, um, propane. Now, some of those, they are dry-rotted. And you will not know about this unless you actually flex the line, then the breakage shows up. So not necessarily because it looks good. That means means it is actually functional or working well. You have to do these tests. Um, there's also one other precaution that I want to give you. Again, from experience, from the wealth of experience that we have, I have noticed that some of the gas tanks have been in service for over 20 years, 10 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I want to let you know that these gas tanks have to be pressure tested every five years by the ra- manufacturer. So whether that is NB gas, or Ramco gas, or blue gas, those tanks. Must be pressure tested every five years. Well, so you can question the person supplying you with gas. Mm-hmm. You know, go ahead. Go ahead and uh, ask your yes, question. Yes,
1: I was going to ask if there, if you're not present to see that test done on the gas tanks, is there a marking, a special marking that needs to be on the gas tanks for us, the citizens, to know that it has been tested?
0: Yeah, there is a marking on the gas tank um, that would allow you to know whether or not the gas has been. There. And so it has the the month the year that the the tank would have last had a test so it normally carries that at the top of the head of the tank Mm -hmm. around the the the, the, just at the bottom but at the head of the tank you're going to see that and it's actually engraved onto the tank all right
1: well i learned something new today so i will be checking for that date when i purchase or refill my gas tank
0: (laughs) definitely definitely all right um so these are some of the precautions but The theme for this fire prevention year, 2023, is cooking safety begins or starts with you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've been looking at the statistics over the years, looking at what are some of the causes of fires. And um, we recognize that there are major issues occurring. You know, um, persons need to take responsibility for the things that they purchase and bring into their home and that they're not actually bringing defective equipment into your home. And that goes across the board when we speak about um, equipment from the electrical items that we purchase as well. Um, I heard, I know long ago the, there was a saying, um, cheap thing no good and good, good thing, thing no cheap. cheap mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes we may, we may purchase ourselves into difficulty by purchasing items which are cheaper, but that are not of a high quality. Mm-hmm. And when I speak about this, I want to just refer to as simple as the extension cords that we use, the surge protectors that are so popular um, nowadays, and even anything that adds on more than four plugs to one socket, Mm -hmm. you are putting yourself at risk. Let me repeat that. When you multi-tap on a plug that has two plugs, and I am sure that a lot of us do this, I myself at one point in time before I gained the knowledge that I have now would have put on an extension and I plugged in more than five things Mm -hmm. to one electrical socket. Um, And let me just tell you what happens when you do that. When you do that, you're actually in a scenario where you are overloading that particular circuit, which is rated for a particular amperage, let's say a 15 amperage or 20 amp, and you are putting more load on that system than the the wiring can handle. That is going to generate heat within the system and eventually any any material that is in close proximity to the hotspots, whether on the wall, whether in the socket, or along the extension cord, is going to ignite combustible materials such as clothes, carpet, anything that is in close proximity to that. And many fires have started in our homes due to electrical fault, not so much so because of and tech, but because of our bad practices um, that we have. So we need to understand, and if we understand the challenge, then we can have a change in behavior okay. and the approach.
1: So what you're saying the you know the um, surge protectors that we use a lot um, well in cooking as well because we have so many appliances and we want to use them you know right away rather than okay plug in this one take it out and plug in another and use it we want all our things you know in line and ready for us to use these surge protectors are not recommended for that type of um, that type of electricity flow
0: Okay so let me explain this again <laughs> When you take one socket and you add a search for six different outlets on one line and you use every single one of them, mm-hmm. each of your appliances, your television, your radio set, microwave, washing machine, refrigerator, all of these carry a particular amperage. That is the flow of electricity that's required for this particular unit. When you uh, go over the amperage allotted to the the breaker, there is no safety in place. So when there's overheating of the line, the and the, and the breaker normally would trip, mm-hmm. right? But you're overloading that particular circuit. Again, what you're doing is causing resistance on that line, it's going to heat up and eventually it's going to X- cause a possible fire. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much that the surge protectors don't do the job that designed to do. And then there are surge protectors and then there are surge protectors. Because we have many different brands coming from many different manufacturers. Some of them not so reputable. So you have to understand the whole thing. So if you are using a brand that, let's say, and I don't want to cast any exclusions on anybody, mm-hmm. but if those brands are not UL listed, which is underwriters laboratory, or they don't carry a CN, which is a European standard, all right, or they don't carry an OSHA standard or a National Fire Protection Association standard, then you are exposing yourself to inferior products which can fail due to inferior material in the manufacturing aspect of it. Does that make sense to you now?
1: Yeah, it does. It does. So I'll have to do some proper checks on search protectors when buying it. Uh, Going to another... I want to give
0: you one example. Before you go on, I want to give you one example. I want to recommend to you now, to the nation, one, if you are leaving your home and you have multiple items, TV, cable box plugged into one extension or surge protector. I'm suggesting that you should plug that out when you leave home, because many of fires we have observed even from camera footage that will remote um, for particular fires, mm-hmm. that fire start at the, at the point of the plug where the, where the load is taking place. Another thing that you can do, um, you notice how when we had computers long ago, we would have something like uh, what's called a line conditioner or an auxiliary power that had a little bit of battery pack power in it, so that when the electricity goes, your computer has enough time to power down.
1: Yes. hmm
0: Those are much better at conditioning the, the flow of electricity than a surge protector or an extension cord. Because what those items do within there has a transformer that is able to take an overcharge of electricity and the undercharge and it can either step up or dissipate an overcharge of electricity. So I would recommend line conditioners, Mm -hmm. and I would recommend that that you use those instead of surge protectors. It's a little more costly, but guess what? It's a better control and a safety mechanism because what it does, it actually trips and turns itself off or it dissipates the the overcharge Mm -hmm. and boosts the, the power when necessary giving you a consistent flow of electricity. So, you know, they would not work in a condition where there's a short, the system would automatically shut, shut off the system mm-hmm. and not allow that fire to start. Does that make sense again?
1: Yep, that makes sense. And it's an added tip that we can That's adopt to. I have a question for you. You said earlier that there is a difference between grease fires and oil fires in um, one of the tips... No, I, they're
0: both, they're the same. they're one and the same.
1: Okay, so with, uh, the, keeping the potlets close to you in case of a small grease fire, tell me how does that work?
0: Alright, so sometimes when... Um, well, first of all, we need to understand that oil and water does not mix. In other words, one is going to float above the other. And as we know, oil floats on the surface of water. Mm-hmm. It's all about the density of the, the, um, the material. So when you apply water to a grease, a fat, for instance, in those industrial kitchens, they use a lot of grease and fat and oils mm-hmm. to produce the, the lovely fast food that we sometimes partake in. You know, So what, in those k- kitchens, they do not use water as an extinguishing measure. Or as extinguishing means they would use something called a web chemical, which is uh, an agent that blankets the surface of the oil, excluding the oxygen from the process, And by means of eliminating the oxygen, you are able to extinguish the fire. So similarly, if you apply water to grease or fat or oil in a frying pan, Mm -hmm. that grease is going to float on top of the water. But guess what's going to happen to the water? That water is going to get superheated and turn to steam. Steam. And as that steam rises, it's going to break up the oil particles. And splash it all over the room, mm-hmm. creating an explosion of fire in your face. And trust me, you're not going to be able to withstand that level of heat. You may even get the fire, the oil spilling onto you, and your clothing may become involved. And, and most persons who are exposed to water, hitting the oil at high temperatures, they are disfigured permanently. Some people even die and they lose their life. So we recommend to all citizens, yes, when there's fire, people say go get water, but that is not for an oil-based fire. So it's a warning, it's a precaution, and it's a guideline that you should always remember. The fire officer said never use water on an oil-based fire. It would be better off if you took the lid, metal lid, mm-hmm. not a plastic lid, mm-hmm. and cover that burning oil. Or whatever may be burning or frying at the time, it will it will snuff all the oxygen because you need oxygen for a fire to continue. Without oxygen, a fire is going to die and become extinguished. So that's why you keep the lids very close to the stove mm-hmm. and you always keep your eye on what you're cooking so that if something were to go wrong, you write to take the evasive or corrective measures.
1: And if you don't have a pot lid to cover, to snuff out the oxygen, is it recommended that you throw sand or some sort of dirt onto the fire?
0: Alright, so that in itself is going to be a very um, I would think that would be a very challenging task to Mm. do. Really and truly, sand, sand when you see sand, you normally see sand utilized in a gas station. And really and truly, the sand is to cover the area where the gasoline or the diesel may have been spilled mm-hmm. so that it does not convert readily to a vapor so that if somebody comes with a naked flame it can cause an explosion or a fire but really and truly it is of very little value and it'll be very difficult for you to create a barricade over a pot of oil by throwing sand on it so i would not recommend that okay. um and also i don't want people to try things that are unconventional so I wouldn't even venture to say something that I would tell a professional to do. I would not tell that a normal citizen to do because they can get themselves into difficulty. But this is what I would do, I recommend. I would recommend the purchasing of a fire extinguisher. Well, that was my next question.
1: Um, From a
0: reputable. Mm -hmm. Yes,
1: where would we be getting the... Where are the reputable places to purchase fire extinguishers?
0: Okay, so I, I do not advertise for any of these companies, but these companies are well known to us in Trinidad and Tobago. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call a few of the names of the companies only because they've partnered with the fire service in trying to bring that safety message to you and um, over the years through our fire prevention outreach programs. So we have from, from San Fernando all the way to Tobago a number of fire safety or fire um, extinguisher companies that have been providing this. So you have in the South, you have Safety Plus and you have Safe Tech in the North. You have Interchem Limited in the North. You have Fire um, IRP Fire and Safety Limited. You have colon Associates. You have um, uh, RFS Fire. There are quite a few companies. In Tobago I know that there is also Colon Associates and there's a company called Revs in Tobago. Mm-hmm. So all you need to do literally is to Google in any of your um, social, in any of your um, programs, and mm-hmm. you just type in fire extinguisher in Trinidad, and all of the companies' names will come up. There's also the company CSP Caribbean Safety Products. So from Point Jesus to Point 14 to Shoguanas, to San Fernando to Arima, these companies are throughout our country. Now, what is what they do when they when they sell you a fire extinguisher? They also put a tag on the fire extinguisher, which certifies the period in which you have to bring back that fire extinguisher to be serviced. Just like your car, Mm -hmm. you need to service the unit. It is not an everlasting unit that will last. So a a fire extinguisher can last 10 to 15 years, once it's in a location that doesn't cause the outer material to disintegrate. It's a metal canister in most instances. But you, you still need to service it because it's a pressurized um, uh, container, and yeah. so you want to make sure that it's fully fresh. Yes, it's fresh. So many extinguishers may have water, some extinguishers have a gas, others have dry chemical powder, some have wet chemical, some people have foam. So there are many different agents, and they all have their safety requirements and their service lifespan. So I am saying this to alert you, but I want to make a recommendation today that if you have to purchase an all purpose or an extinguisher that can work in your home i am going to recommend a dry chemical powder fire extinguisher at least a 10 pound or size 5 kg mm-hmm. um that is the abc better known as an abc fire extinguisher because of the type of fires that it can contain class a class b and class c so i'll repeat that if you are to purchase an extinguisher for your car for your home for your business I am recommending to start off with an ABC or a dry chemical powder fire extinguisher. It's a very versatile fire extinguisher, highly effective, and it works very well to snuff out a fire in a in a matter of seconds.
1: And quickly, we're, we're almost to the top of two o'clock here. I just wanted to briefly uh, discuss the fire plan. Let's say all the, the fire extinguisher doesn't work, covering with the pot lid. How? What is the best plan to get out of your house in case of the fire g- gaining out of control? Getting out of control.
0: Okay, good. So let's talk about what is out of control. Out of control is anytime the flames has already reached your ceiling, then the roof over your head is compromised. You mm. will not want the roof to collapse on you because then your chance of survivability or escape is literally nil. All right. Mm. So what you want to do, you want to ensure that you have an evacuation plan, and the plan starts off by simply raising an alarm. That means you need to shout out to every occupant in the home, fire, 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 or you utilize your smoke detectors that make that alarm song, which will awaken you very quickly so that you can evacuate. Always remember, dial 990 in case of fire emergency and give the operator on the line the pertinent information to locate your fire, to locate your home, and tell them what's on fire and get out of the house. So you're leaving in a quick and orderly manner, utilizing any of your exits that are not involved in the fire. So for instance, in your home, you should have two ways in and out of the building, either the front door, back door, or the front or the side door, but you definitely should not only have one way in and out of your building. Mm -hmm. When you evacuate from the building, you go to a a point that has pre-designated as a muster point, or where you can conduct a roll call with members of your family, and then you await the arrival of the fire service where you will then direct them accordingly. Please always remember, do not re-enter the building for any reason, whether it is for money, car keys, pets, anything of the sort, because going back into a building that is on fire can mean the end of your life. You may not make it back out. So I hope these tenants, these basic things and I remind you again, raise an alarm. Don't leave without telling someone. Shout out fire, fire, fire. Call 990, and you can do this simultaneously. Giving pertinent information to the operators who are awaiting your call. Evacuate by leaving the building quickly in an orderly manner. Do not run, because you may trip and fall, as well as you Get to your master point and conduct your roll call accounting for everyone. And that's a successful evacuation procedure.
1: And thank you very much. Well, I have one quick question again. Is there any courses or any um, like seminars that the public can attend from the fire services to have the basic idea uh, training to escape a fire?
0: So I'm going to give you a, 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 a. an email address, and that email address is fpadmin, mm-hmm. A-D-M-I-N, at mm-hmm. You can email the fire prevention administration department from any location, home, community-based groups, for instance, or community-based groups in our community centers, your workplace, work and you can request a, a lecture on evacuation or a lecture on the use of fire extinguishers in the home, in the business space. And we will be more than happy to schedule one that you can come and we can come and we can share information, valid, pertinent information with your members of your staff, members of your family, members of your community on how to protect yourself and safeguard your home and even your life.
1: Thank you so much for the information, FSO Jude Rogers, and thank you for taking the time to make us safer at least with the information and putting into practice. And we'll be observing for Fire Fire Week. Yeah, Fire Safety Week. Fire Prevention fire Week. Fire Prevention it's Week.
0: Internationally, celebrated around the world. Everywhere in the world, it's Fire Prevention Week right now, from the 8th to the 14th of October, 2023, every year around the same time.
1: All right. Thank you so much for joining me, and we will have more information and talks with you to spread the message.
0: Thank you very much.
1: This is Freedom 106.5 FM, and we've got more coming up in the next hour right here. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability, the all-new Talk Radio, Freedom 106.5.